What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 259th episode of the Pokemon Podcast. It's super effective. I am your host, SBJ, and with me today, I have Travis. I'm really thrown off because I don't think any of the podcasts that I do recorded on the day that they usually record, so everything just feels wrong, including this one, yeah. Yeah, we're doing this on a Thursday night, uh, as I said like four days ago. I'm having company over, so I won't have time to record or whatnot. I also have Will with us today. Are you sure it's me? Because... Obviously, I'm a liar. That's true. Even though you can look at your iPhone and tell exactly where on earth I am, I'm a liar. I'm not in Virginia. I, did, I didn't think of it at the time. How was Virginia? <laughs> That's fine. I was playing Vanguard. I lost every match. It's not the end of the world. Wait, you're, you're in... How, 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 this is a dumb question. How long does it take for you to get to Virginia? Or are you just going to like the border and like making it some big deal of going to another state? Because if I say I'm well, going to Illinois, that takes me at least an hour to get there. Okay, for me to get to Maryland is about an eight-minute drive. For me to get to Virginia is maybe like a ten-minute drive. Oh, see. But to get to where I was going in Virginia, it was a 45-minute drive. Okay. 45 minutes to play some Vanguard. Yes. All right. Let's just let the cat out of the bag. I don't know why that's why is that an expression? Who's putting cats in bags? I, I would think do it's it just an expression to imply something that is irreversible, right? Like you can't put a cat back in a bag. That would be ridiculous to try to oh, do. If the oh, cat's out of the bag, can. the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> First you skin the don't, cat. I don't need I don't need to hear your to like that. dark methodology. If the <laughs> if the <laughs> opening more of than the bag one way was to skin a cat big enough Ugh. it would be very easy okay so by the time this goes up which is you know monday more every monday morning uh it's by the like time, a week from now <laughs> <laughs> by the time this goes up the newest season of mythical will be out on itunes under the whole mythical podcast rss feed which is separate than it's super effective this has been, we, we recorded this season. This has been another episode of the <laughs> Pokemon Podcast. <laughs> That's it. That's all your news. That's everything. No house cleaning. See you later. <laughs> so over the past couple months, people like these people like Travis and these people like Micah and all these other people have mentioned that there was these secret projects that I wouldn't let them talk about. Uh, and I think... I think it's okay to talk about that now, now that we have we have something tangible to give to people uh, because of that, right? We all got together first week of December in Wisconsin, and we recorded a bunch of audio, uh, which includes the season of Mythical that, again, by the time you hear this, will be out in iTunes and on SoundCloud and, and on Google Play. And we we recorded more audio besides that, but right now... There's a full season of Mythical. It is three episodes long. It is about two hours, give or take. And it is a complete story. And it doesn't... You don't need to listen to any other season to follow along. I think that's fair to yeah, say, Yeah, because, right? I mean, it's a it's a prequel. So, it takes place when Stant, who is... he's I don't remember how old Stant is in the present day of... 
mythical, but he's an old older man. Uh, and this takes place when Stant Willow, the character that Logan plays in Mythical, was in high school. So it's a, uh, and we used the, we didn't use D&D this time, we used the role-playing game Fiasco, uh, which is much more improvisational, and there's no DM or, or GM, it's all collaborative, so it was a a more sort of impromptu experience, and... I think it ended up being the funniest thing we've ever recorded. <laughs> so so I think Logan did mention that it's um, 44 years before whatever uh, Dungeons and Dragonites. Yeah, I don't so. I don't I don't think that matters too much. Like, I don't want it. I don't want it to sound more complicated than it is, because like Travis mentioned Stant and it's like, well, I don't know Stant. So maybe it's don't don't. But think yeah, of- you don't you don't need to know because it's a prequel. All of this happens like you don't there's not any any effects that you won't know the cause of. Right. Because it's just in the same way that you could basically look at any story from the f- earliest moment of it and be fine. Like you you could watch Star Wars episode one before episode four and not really miss anything. Same with uh, this. It doesn't really matter where you start. You could start <laughs> at episode one of Mythical or you could start right here with uh, what do we call it? School yards and slowpokes. <laughs> schools and schools and slowpokes. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But people, they're they're. I mean, for people who are already fans of the series, right? There's there's character appearances that, that yes. those yeah, yeah. Bay Bay is an NBC will... people would know, and Stant is a main character. But you don't have to know those characters going in, uh, right? To, to have some fun, and and just like most role playing games, I would say that like the characters that are being played are pretty over personified like it's very i don't know if that's the right word it's very easy to like kind of understand what kind of character they are pretty quickly because especially in this season i would say (laughs) because they're all high school students so they are caricatures the other thing i want wanted to mention is what travis said which is this isn't a game of D D. this is a game of fiasco and mythical's not there to teach you how to play fiasco or really how to teach you how to play D. i think in in the first couple seasons there would be characters like me or jeff or somebody that would ask questions and i think those questions were valuable to the listener uh, especially for people who are like ah, i've never played D, so i don't know if i should listen to this uh but in fiasco you guys don't really explain the rules but you and and i did cut out some of the rules just because they were they were either very specific questions that maybe Irene had that only evolved that only mattered in like a very specific situation. They weren't like general rules, right? So I tried to keep general rules in without there's this like weird balance of making sure that as a listener, even if you've never played Fiasco, the core system makes sense, but there's also this balance of making sure there's not so many rules that would be not really that much helpful to a listener anyways uh that would that would bog it down and make it sound boring when you listen to episode 1 and the first 22 minutes are quote unquote rules it's really not rules it's more of this is my character this is my personality this is how my character knows this character and this is what my character's goal is for this season and i think that lays it out pretty well while you might not get while you might not walk away understanding how to play fiasco with your friends i think you walk away understanding i know the characters 
I know what the character's intentions are, and I also know what the character's final goal is. Did I say that okay? Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to sum up Fiasco. Am I allowed to, and you can cut this out, am I allowed to say the other thing we did there? Because when we were in, when we were all recording together, because when we were at the Dells, because I know when listeners are going to hear a three-episode season, you know, that Mythical's been non-existent for so long, and he hit us back with only three episodes. Like, <laughs> part of me wants to say... No, you you talk. You could talk about it. Yeah. So the fiasco game that we played was just intended to be a silly little one-off that we would put in the feed for April Fool's Day, and just because it's a sillier game, and it was a the specific setting we decided of Stance High School experience was silly in and of itself that it was just going to be a silly little thing to throw in the feed, and then as we were playing it, we realized it was one of the most fun things we've done, so it kind of ballooned into its own thing, but that wasn't the main reason we were at the Dells to record. That that was just a side thing we were doing. We recorded a full additional season of Mythical that's your uh, that's closer to the length of seasons one and two, and it's not a silly high school story. It's, I mean, it's still silly because it's mythical, but it's, it is a continuation of the stories from season uh, one and two. So anyone who's, who's hearing us say, oh no, just three episodes after waiting this long, like there is a full season coming. It's just a, a bear of an edit for Steve. I, I always envision mythical being like two seasons a year, and I believe on April 1st, it will be exactly five months since a previous mythical came out. And to pull back the curtain a little bit, when I gave Logan and Micah and Travis and Greg and Irene, those are your, your, your main people in, in this new season, I gave them all the tools to record, and, uh, and, and they recorded. And when I was listening, and, and I was with uh, my friend Kay was there, shout out to Kay, we're we're sitting on the other side of the the curtain, the recording curtain, listening, and we're, we're we both look at each other and go, "This isn't going to work. This is possibly <laughs> the worst thing I've ever heard." <laughs> I, I I think I was coming from like a, an audio uh, perspective, right? Everyone <laughs> talking into a microphone is hard. <laughs> I think Travis is really good at peaking microphones. Logan is really good You're at welcome. Lo- at losing microphones and just pretending they don't exist. <laughs> Micah is really good at mumbling. Greg is really good at uh, doing the tss, tss, like the tss before he talks. And Irene is really good at not staying on conversation. <laughs> so everyone has all these problems that that you know. When I'm when I when I'm listening to this and when I when I'm thinking about okay how do I structure the show like how can I salvage the you know three hours they're sitting down here recording I was like there's no way this is going to work I let that audio sit for like a month or so before I even looked at it and when I looked at it I was like oh like this isn't like this isn't as bad as I thought uh, I don't want to spoil the show but there is a little bit of singing in it. And a little bit, I thought during these these scenes of of when these characters are singing, I was like, there's no way that like this is going to sound good in post. And it actually did turn out sounding really okay. I get, you know, three hours of audio and 
you know, I ended I ended up finishing. I we, I was joking in Slack, right? Because I I told I told everyone it like it took me fifteen hours to produce two hours of content. And Logan, I love him to death, was like, "Well, I could I could have done that work and saved you fifteen hours." Like I'm a huge control freak, and I was like, "But if you did this the is very work, very true, if, very you, true." <laughs> but if you did the work. I don't think it would sound as good as it sounds, and that's no that's that's no offense to you, but like I want I always want to put out a product that sounds better than anything I've put out in the past, right? Like I don't want to go I don't want to put out a season of mythical and go yeah, it's it's okay it's not as good as last season. I always want the season to be the best season, and honestly, this season of mythical, and we're gonna play like a, we're gonna play like a two minute clip here in a second. I honestly believe that this season of Mythical is probably the best thing I've ever produced sound-wise and musical-wise and and just how that season flows. Uh and I'm really really just proud of everyone who is on that because you know without without them I don't think it would be as funny, I don't think it would be as creative. I just really want to encourage people like I I honestly think this is one of the best things that this team has done. I don't want our listeners to be turned off because it's maybe something they're unfamiliar with. I think it's just a really cute slash good slash short story that feels complete. And hopefully at the end of the day, you walk away from it thinking like that was funny, right? Can I say one more thing that might interest people about it? Yeah. The way that we have included Pokemon in the past in Mythical is to have in when we played the D&D seasons in Mythical was to say there's one class in the game that can have Pokemon pals. And a lot of the encounters you'll fight are going to be against Pokemon. But that doesn't really fit for Fiasco because it's not the kind of game where you fight things. So what we decided to do instead was have our human characters be named after and have their personalities reflect Pokemon. So, for example, Irene's character, is her last name is Lopes. Uh, because she's like a slowpoke and she speaks very slowly. Uh, so all of the characters are named after Pokemon. Like my character is named Vanille after Vanillox, and Vanille is very nervous and unsure all of the time. Which I took from, which might seem a weird thing for Vanillox, but I took that from the fact that Vanillox has multiple heads, which I feel like would be a Pokemon that have a difficult time making decisions. So that's sort of what <laughs> Vanilla is like. So so it's sort of a different take on including Pokemon. And I think people might find that interesting of like, what's the human version of Grand Bull, which you'll see from Micah's character, Bull Grand Burke. Uh, what we'll do now is we'll we'll play a, a, a quick two minute clip uh, to, you know, pique your interest. And uh, we'll be right back. Spent a few days. What are you thinking about the uh, slow-talking woman? You know, I've thought about it. Yeah. Long and hard. Oh. We're gonna do it. Yeah. But yeah. it's mine. Yeah. <laughs> what? No, like I wrote it. I need like I wrote to the words. sing it. Question: Is this vanilla scene? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, I want everybody to know that that everybody windmill slammed a black die onto vanilla just now. <laughs> I 
Things have suddenly become so much clearer to me now. So I don't. It, things are obfuscated over here. I. Why? I mean, the, like this is a song I wrote. Do you want it to get airtime or no? only way I can see this moving forward is if I'm singing it. Okay. But believe me, I, I'm very grateful for the song. You're welcome. This is a disaster. <laughs> The the pur- the purpose of a fiasco game is that nobody gets what they want. <laughs> All right, and we are back. So if you if you thought that was funny and you want to hear more, you can go to mythicalpodcast.com or just search for mythical in iTunes or Google Play and you'll be able to find the season and check it out. I do want to stress that there are there are four seasons of mythical right now there's one 1.5 two and 2.5 the point fives are just you know the the shorter seasons i do want to stress that you can start at any season they're designed in a way to be a story from start to finish so don't think you have to listen to season one and two before you get to this new one or or whatnot like you can start at season 1.5 that's going to be an experience from start to finish and if you go and do listen to other seasons You'll start to get references and kind of see how it fits into an overall story. Uh, So that's kind of our goal there. But with that being said, uh, let's jump into some news. Global Mission Now Live. Hatch a lot of eggs. Runs until April 10th. The fifth global mission for Pokemon Sun and Moon is now live. In this global mission, players have to hatch Pokemon eggs. If all players will worldwide hatch at least 200,000 eggs. All participants will receive 2,000 festival coins. If the goal is not met, they will receive 200 festival coins. Additionally, if all players worldwide hatch a total of 400,000 eggs, participants who have registered their GameSync ID at Pokemon Global Link will receive a love ball. Uh, And that's pretty much it. Make sure you talk to the global mission receptionists in the Festival Plaza to enter. Hatch as many eggs as possible before April 10th. And I think Will has an update on on the progress of this global mission. Uh, it's already been met. <laughs> Once again, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to hatch an egg yourself. They, uh, they've already met the goal, and you can just sign up for it and get the prize, millennial. Get, I love get a it. prize for doing it. nothing. Are they at the 400,000, or they just hit the main goal right now? Uh, I was looking for that, and I don't know if they've gotten that far yet. I do know they hit the two hundred thousand, but I don't know. If I mean, they hit I guess four hundred thousand yet. I guess the only difference is you're getting a love ball. It's not like, and I, I, I I'm pretty sure the, with the speed that they hit the two hundred thousand, they will hit the four hundred thousand. So okay, that's not a concern. Is love ball one of the pokeballs that you only get one of? In your normal single player playthrough of the game, I feel like we always ask this on an episode and it's it's not a very easy thing to just look up and then someone on twitter will yeah it's right it's it's the special oh, apricorn true. balls yeah. that they uh they have restricted on us that makes no yeah. sense but okay 
What do you mean it makes no sense? Like, why restrict the balls? Like, why only have one heavy ball in Sun and Moon that I'm you know, with you? Yeah. Sam Samson Oak gives you at the top of a of mountain because it makes it that much more special. Whatever Pokemon you put in it, I don't really think so because, like, <laughs> it, yeah, because you just put a Ditto in it, right? And then the Ditto passes that ball mm, along. No, no, the Ditto ball is not passed down. It's the other Pokemon's ball that's passed down. Really? I thought in like X oh, and Y oh. it was like females pass down the ball, but in Sun and Moon they switch it to males pass down the ball. No, but Ditto it it Ditto never passes down because this is this is the the way that I work. I was catching a Ditto for one of our listeners so that they'd have an easier time breeding Abras for synchronizers. And I was like, well, let me make this a special treat. I'll use my master ball to catch the ditto. So no, that master ball anything, doesn't pass down at all. Ah, that, that, anything they catch what? will be in a master ball. And after I did that, then I looked up whether the ditto ball gets passed down. And not only do master balls not get passed down, but the ditto ball does not get passed down at all. Okay, that's good to know. Welcome to our Pokemon breeding sideshow, the Ditto Ball. I'm your host, Travis Wheeler. (laughs) I knew the Master Ball didn't get passed down, but that's good to know. I think this is the first time I've ever used a Master Ball, so it's a really special occasion. I always wanted to save my Master Ball for like a shiny Voltorb or a shiny Geodude, like something that would explode, right? But hey, I don't ever need to find a shiny. That's (laughs) That'll never happen. never will with that attitude. That's right. Uh, 2017 International Challenge April Tournament announced. The April Tournament has been announced. Players can register between April 19th through April 27th. The competition will run between April 28th and April 30th. Rankings will be announced sometime in May. All participants will receive a Sceptilite and a Blazing Knight. And I think also, uh, looks like an update here, a Swampert Tight. Uh, if they win or lose three battles. This tournament will use the official VGC 2017 rules. Pokemon must be in the Alola Pokedex and have the Black Clover on the summary screen. Zygar, Cosmog, Cosmome, Solgaleo, Lunala, Necrozasm, and Necrozma. Necrozma. And is that the is that the black looking thing? The black cockroach with lasers. Oh, I wouldn't say he's a cockroach. He's like a like a. Is he the one that looks like all the wires? Uh, no, no, he's the one that's like more pointy. Zirka, that's Zirkatree that you're thinking of. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. He's like the really Zirkatree pointy. Really cool. He's like the really pointy one. He's very yeah, angular. The one with, yes. Yeah. Yep. Sharp and, and I did not say cockroach. That was Travis's term that I just adopted. <laughs> did I call? Wait. Yes, what? During, the live, during the live show. No, no, when... no, no. I think I called Necrozma a stealth bomber. Roll the uh, tape. Roll, bring, right, bring yeah. it back. <laughs> All we have is mythical content. Just put that in. <laughs> Magearna cannot be used. <laughs> Only Alolan forms with regional variants can be used. Mega stones are not allowed. All Pokemon will be set to level 50. You guys know the rest of this. Uh, just play three games. Lose all three. You get your three Mega Stones that they're hiding behind these battle walls. When will they learn that battle walls don't work? <laughs> I know. Walls don't do anything good. Uh, Pokemon Go update available. Evolution items guaranteed for streaks. A new Pokemon Go update will bring the version to 0.59.1, labeled 1.29.1 on the iOS App Store. It is currently being rolled out. It should be out, by obviously, by the time this goes up. 
Additionally, players are now guaranteed to obtain a random evolution item, Sunstone, King's Rock, Dragon Scale, Upgrade, or Metal Coat, when they obtain a 7-day first Pokestop of the Day streak, regardless of whether they have the update, regardless of whether or not they have installed the update. Uh, also, uh, they brought us some minor text fixes, which I think is very important. I'm still playing Pokemon Go every day. Well, every day since found a shiny Magikarp Gen Two. No, I haven't. I haven't. But that is news in itself. Thank you for bringing that up. Even though the Water Festival is now over, shiny Magikarp is still available to be found in the wild, which I, th- which is great because right they took away Santa Pikachu and Birthday Hat Pikachu, and I was super super bummed the day that Water Festival is ending because I was like, there's no way. Like, unless I'm like the luckiest person in the world, and in the next five hours, the shiny magic carp comes up, I'm not going to be able to get one. And also, just from experience, you can get a evolution item at any Pokestop. It doesn't have to be the seven-day streak. I got a King's Rock on uh, a third-day streak. The seven-day streak just guarantees you one. That's pretty much it for news. That's all we got, folks. Oh, wait. Actually, one more thing. Not really news, but... Uh, Pokemon Center is updated. They have the secret plan Pikachus that are now available. These are the Pikachus dressed like all the bad guys in the game. Uh, So you can get either a Pikachu dressed in a Team Rocket outfit, Team Magma, Team Aqua, Team Galactic, Team Plasma, and Team Flare. Even though a Team Skull Pikachu, which I personally think is the best Pikachu outfit, it exists in Japan. It does not exist yet uh, in the American store. Which yeah, is a bit they of a couldn't bummer. get the licensing rights. Yeah, it's just <laughs> couldn't, couldn't get the paperwork to get transferred over. So check that out if you want. I also know that uh, I think the previews for the next collectible figures, you know those figures they released on Pokemon Day? I, it was Eevee, Pikachu, Mew, and what was that last one? I don't know. I have all of them because I was going to review them. I haven't gotten around to it yet. But the new ones, I know one for sure is Jigglypuff. I want to say one is like Sandshrew. It was a weird lineup. But uh, those should be coming pretty soon as well if you're into that. Uh, Otherwise, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will read some emails. And Travis has a Pokemon of the week as well. So we will be... What I'm really excited for, actually. Back. <laughs> leg tubes. Leg tube. Leg tubes. Tube. Leg tubes. Leg tube. Leg tubes. Tube warmers. Socks. Socks. The phrase leg tube might be good, right? The phrase leg tube might be. Mm. Leg tubes. Leg tube. Leg tubes. Tube. Leg tubes, leg tube, leg tubes, tube warmers. Well, then they're just leg tubes, I guess. Yes. <laughs> and we are back from our break. Let's do some emails. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, emails, or snail mail, that actually doesn't work. Snail mail will not make it to my email address. But if you have digital email, you can send that to sbj at pkmncast.com. Or you can just go over to PokemonPodcast.com, hit that contact button, and that'll get you to the same place. We have some emails from Will. Will, you weren't here last week. Well, for Will, not from Will. That's, yeah. Well, you don't, you don't know. 
Although I do email you sometimes, but not for other people to hear that stuff. <laughs> Cole writes in from New Jersey. Oh, okay. I was like, Cole and I talk every single day. <laughs> I mean, Cole and I talk more than you and I talk, buddy. So that would be real weird. Oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> I thought I was number one in your life. You don't play Vanguard, dude. You also don't send him any snaps. Yeah. Neither does I'm, Cole. Yeah. Ah, uh, dang. I'm, I'm behind on the Snapchat bandwagon. Uh, this question is for Will. When I defended Torterra in my last email, you shot it down because you said it was asymmetrical, which made it, quote, bad and wrong. <laughs> <laughs> my question is this. One of your favorite Pokemon is Kiram, also asymmetrical. What makes Kiram better than Torterra? Just wondering what your rationale is. I could even answer. Th- I could even answer that. It's it's asymmetrical for a specific design purpose. The whole point of the Pokemon is that it's supposed to represent a sort of uh, shattered balance or a, a an emptied balance. So it wouldn't make sense for it to be symmetrical. I'm not Will, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can kind of agree with that as well, but. Also, it's the fact that Kyurem is, like, made from ice and not, like, half rock and half tree, even though it's grass type. Torterra's top represents, like, a bonsai garden plant. Like, when you. Great. Good for it. (laughs) Kyurem represents the cold, (laughs) empty hole that used to be my heart. Like, when you go to. When you go to, you know. Trader Joe's. I don't know where they sell these bonsai trees. Have you ever been to a Trader Joe's? Do you in your know life? what Trader Joe's is? <laughs> Do you? <laughs> yeah, they have a bunch they of organic food and stuff. They got really yeah, good apple juice. Bonsai plants are organic food. Is that what you think a bonsai tree is? <laughs> I mean, you could so eat you go if to... you had a little bonsai pear tree. You could eat the little pears, and they might be organic. <laughs> when you go to uh... so when you go to Trader Joe's. And you get yourself Ugh. a bonsai tree. It's not like that is a Ugh. symmetrical plant. Usually the bonsai tree is either on the left or right hand side. And then there's like a little sand garden on the other side that you can take okay, okay, your little okay. miniature rake and you can Mr. rake it. Uninformed, number one, you're talking about a Zen garden, not a bonsai tree. Number two, if you do ever come to visit me here in Washington, D.C., I will take you to the bonsai exhibit at the National Arboretum where they actually teach you about all the principles of bonsai, which one of them is is balance and actually growing the tree in such a way in that it represents a balance of nature, not an off-kilter, lopsided half who knows what's going on. So... No, disagree. And yet Trader Joe's sells like 90% is prepackaged. So <laughs> <laughs> I like I like Trader Joe's. Have you ever been to a Trader Joe's? Yeah! I just I don't They they have Where? really good First off, there's a Trader Joe's on Blue Mound and it's right across the 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 street from no the UP one the cares U- where your P- Trader S- Joe's Hub. is. And they have really good frozen chicken and really good no. apple juice. Spice. No, the best thing that they have juice. is bacon flavored popcorn. Actually, it's apple no cider. It. If it's tangy and brown, wait, I don't know what the saying is. Wow, there's not a saying that starts like that. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it's, there it, is. it's from The Simpsons. Yeah, I think it's if it's tangy and brown, you're in cider, cider town. town. If it's clear and yellow, you've got juice there, fellow. Exactly. 
The best thing at Trader Joe's is the bacon flavored popcorn. I don't think I've ever had that. It there's is a se- so good. There's a second question here from Cole. If you guys ever get back into doing less competitive Pokemon for Pokemon of the Week, could you guys do Chatot? It's my favorite Pokemon, and I feel like people forget about it. Thanks, Cole from New Jersey. Well, See, not the- this week, Cole from New Jersey, because I've already got. I already told the people from Slack a different Pokemon. This is the Chatot, problem. Chatot, the gimmick Pokemon. Uh, this is the problem with Pokemon of the Week, because then people want people want competitive stuff, so we incorporate them Pokemon of the Week, but then we miss out on Pokemon that aren't competitive. Because if we do something like Farfetch, people are like, "Well, yeah, you gave me a move set, but I'm still not going to use it." It's a never. It's a. It's a never win. Never-ending story, is that what you're going to say? It's a catch-22, maybe? I don't think it's a really good application of that. But yeah, it's a a catch-22 might be a good phrase to use. And I I love how Chatot can never be a competitive Pokemon because any time there's a competition where it could appear... No, because because of its uh, signature move, it can never be used in competitive Pokemon. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, by law. (laughs) <laughs> well, not by law of the United States, by law of the Pokemon lawmakers. It's still a law in my book, in my law uh, book. All right. Brandon writes in from Missouri. Hey, Pokemon podcast crew. I started listening around the episode titled SBJ versus the Snowstorm. I can't remember what episode that is, but that's where an that's when I started. My question is mainly for Will. Will, why won't you play Zelda? Let's take Breath of the Wild. In the PAX episode, you said that there are three, ga- three things a game needs for you to play. One, you need to collect things. You can collect 120 spirit orbs in Zelda. Two, there needs to be cute things. There are foxes and dogs in Zelda, and they are very cute. How cute the foxes are have stopped me from killing them for multiple food items. Three, you need to roll things. You can roll boulders, and you can roll up snowballs. I still need an argument for number three on Fire Emblem, but just you wait. Travis is my favorite. Thank you, Brad. I, I like how he just complains about Will and then like chimes in there. Travis is my favorite. <laughs> and I don't, and I'm the one who's the most vocal about not liking Zelda. Thank you, Brandon from Missouri. So there you go, Will. It has the three things you you look for in a game. Uh, except that I will very much disagree. That I I suppose potentially. The only Zelda game that I might say had cuteness as a possibility was Wind Waker, Mm because those were very chibi-looking characters. There's nothing cute about the art style of Breath of the Wild. It's like... You mean I? I mean you Ooh, wouldn't go up to. Like, I haven't even a... played it, but have you seen the GIF of the person who goes up and uh, up to the dog and then spins around and then the okay, dog okay. starts no, spinning no, no, around no, no, and chasing no. its tail to? Mm. That's yes. the, the, right there. The foxes are pretty that. cute. The foxes are really okay. cute. Yeah, that is a cute thing that people can do. Look at the art style, right? You don't look at a Monet and you say, "Wow, those are some cute water lilies." Yes, it's beautiful. It's painted very well, but it's not cute. So, yes, how you is can Destiny do cute... cute? How is Destiny cute? Okay, <laughs> Destiny is the aberration because it was an opportunity when I had mono to play games with my friends. So I'm I mean, obviously I dropped there's some Destiny pretty cute, like there's some a pretty hot cute, coal. There's some cute outfits in Destiny. Mm, Will would Will, Will would multiple times tell me how cute his guardian looked. Well, but yeah, because I built that 
cute guardian. <laughs> there's, there's also like bare hands. <laughs> there's also like 900 Korok seeds or whatever they're called in Zelda. And every time you discover one, you get one of the cute little like woodland creatures that pop out and goes, wow, 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 you found me. <laughs> yeah, no. And there's no, 900 of those, Will. That's a lot that's to not, collect. That's not cute. The kind of cute I'm looking for. No, they're I'm pretty cute. For chibi. I'm looking for big anime eyes and cheeks and <laughs> just like that kind of cute. Or, or little kitty What's your cats favorite of the cousins from We Love Katamari? No, I only love the prince. Mm, interesting. The prince is, is, is what, what I most identify with. So I like Beyond. There I you think go. Beyond little, is little what it's called. Uh, uh, you mean one of the cousins is named Beyond? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I do. It's the um, one that's so, sort of like beige and has a very long neck. I Yeah, I'm not that familiar with the cousins, but I, I'll tell you this. If you have Twitter, if you are some one of those people out there, if you left that have Twitter account, there is literally a Twitter account that is um, the Katamari items list, and they tweet like two or three items from that you can pick up in Katamari every day. It's fantastic. Can confirm that uh, it's called that the cousin is called Beyond. Um, and I think the the Twitter account is. I think it might be called Katamari Items. <laughs> There's some weird <laughs> stuff really in the good. game. Yeah, yeah, there is, and the descriptions of them are really like funny. So, and you never really pay attention to the descriptions of the individual items while you're playing the game. So it's an opportunity to reflect on your past experience. But I mean, I don't hate Zelda. My my real problem with Zelda is that it's very it's like much, boring and, and I, bad. Well, that's part of it. But I know, and I know, Breath of the Wild is a break away from this. But it's very formulaic. Of you need to follow a particular path and achieve this final goal. So, as someone who I'm familiar with um, once ranted and raved about, it's it's not really my story. It's, you know, the story of the game, and then it's a put-away game. Once you've completed it, you know, you put it away, and you're not really uh, going to... As, as the only one who, who's played Breath of the Wild, you can do whatever you want in that game. There's no lineage to it. So, but when you do whatever you want, do you actually feel like you're making progress? Yes. In any way? Yeah, so... I'm like, bored. Let's go to the next thing. <laughs> Settle down, Travis! <laughs> Uh, so yeah, there are, there are 120 shrines. Every time you complete four shrines, you can cash that in for a heart, uh, to increase your life, or you can cash that in for stamina, uh, to increase, uh, your climbing or your running. And what I did is I fully upgraded my stamina first. So that maxes out, I think at like 40 shrines, like you would have to do like 40 shrines or something like that to max it. I'm, I'm off. I know my, I know the number's not right. You don't need to send in a correction for that, but just just like, like 40 or 50 shrines. Uh, so I throughout the 50 hours it took me to get there still had three hearts, uh, because I thought running and climbing were more important. And to me, the best part about the game was finding more shrines because Every time you go into a shrine, it's a different puzzle. And they're like really short puzzles where in Zelda's before, there would be dungeons. And those dungeons would be multiple puzzles of like, okay, first you got to get the map. Then you got to get the compass. Then you got to get all the keys. And eventually you get the boss key and then you fight the boss. But in Breath of the Wild, every time you go into a shrine, you're like, okay, there's one goal here. How do I figure that out? 
and you can do any shrine in any order besides the first like four shrines because they teach you how to use items but after the first four shrines you can do any shrine you want and you'll always have all the tools to do any shrine any shrine it's just some might be more difficult or some you might have to come back to but just like running around and exploring those shrines I think is the best part and you can from the start of the game go besides the first four shrines because you need to get your items you can go straight to Ganon and kill Ganon uh, or you can go and do the four quote-unquote dungeons and they will line up lasers so when you do get to Ganon it helps you defeat Ganon but you could literally walk to Ganon within the first hour of the game and just attempt to kill Ganon. Thanks for the spoilers. Here's it's, my question. <laughs> it's like, like what's once I get all 120 shrines, they, they they don't reset. There are shrines that do reset. So, like, there are challenge shrines where you walk in and the goal is to, like, defeat something in a strategic way. And those re- there's something called the Blood Moon. And, like, every 30 days in the game, which I think is maybe, like, two hours or three hours of playtime, the Blood Moon comes and resets all of the enemies on the map. And that sounds, like, tedious, but it's not because you're traveling so much and you can run past enemies or... Uh, or like when you go into a shrine, it's like, okay, cool. Those enemies that had really great weapons respond. I can defeat them, get those weapons. And like I said, there's 900 Korok seeds. And that's also fun because when you look at the, when you go out and you look at the map and you see all of the shrines, you see like these gaps on the map between shrines and you're like, well, there has to be something there. And there almost always is like the thing I love. I'm not a big Zelda fan at all. Like I've played a lot of the Zelda games and I've completed a lot of the Zelda games, but I'm in the I'm in the camp where like I don't come to Zelda for the story. The story is always the same. You're saving Princess Zelda. You're killing Ganon. There's probably a Master Sword at some point. There's probably a horse at some point. You get a bow and arrow. Like it it it's the same in that aspect. It's just they tell it a little differently every time, which is fine. I'm a big advocate of games that respect your time, and I think Zelda does that really well. So, like, if you see something in the distance and you decide, like, I want to see, I want to see what's on top of that mountain, and you spend twenty minutes climbing this mountain because it's raining, or, or like you slipped and fell and you had to reclimb. So, like, when you get to that top of the mountain, there will be something there, and it, it every time. Oh, I wonder what's on the other side of this hill. Oh, cool, there's something here. Oh, I wonder what's at the end of this valley. Oh, there's something there, and whether that's a shrine or a korok seed or a treasure chest or something. It just feels like everything you do in Zelda is just, oh, there's something here, and this was an experience getting to. Eh, still not interested, but I do want people to note how angry Travis was and how passive I was. <laughs> <laughs> the long con here. Zelda's good. Gabriel writes in and says, hello, SBJ, Travis, Will, Micah, Irene, Logan, Greg, Aaron, Jeff, and anyone I am missing. I hope not. I am relatively a new listener and started listening before the Sun and Moon special and was almost immediately pulled in by the first episode of Mythical, your Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I have listened every week since and I have listened through all two and a half seasons of Mythical multiple times. You got, your guys' podcast always makes me laugh and I'd like to thank you for brightening up my gloomy Monday mornings. Anyways, I have a question about your Mythical podcast. When d- why did you decide to use Dungeons & Dragons as a tabletop game? After a while of listening to, to your D&D podcast, I felt my own motivation to get my pokey friends together and start a campaign on my own. Uh, 
He goes on and says he find he found this uh, Pokemon Universe tabletop template. There's a million of them out there. Yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with with uh, the uh, it's like Pokemon tabletop adventures or something like that. Right? Yeah, which I think is yeah. And he goes, the rule book is completely free and everything like that. Anyways, thanks for reading my incredibly long email. Travis is the best. I cannot wait to yeah. hear this on the podcast. Thanks, Gabriel. I don't know how Mythical really got started. I can tell you, uh, Greg has fantasized of being able to play a Pokemon game, uh, a D&D game set in the Pokemon universe for an incredibly long time. and convinced steve to do it on our pokemon podcast that's the part i forgot how was he able to convince me (laughs) greg can be very persuasive yeah i I don't know i don't know how that came about yeah no it, it was it was mostly it was mostly greg creating a world and a universe uh in in D &D fifth edition i never played D D prior to that point uh logan and and travis has of course I think it was just like another side project where I was, okay, we could turn this into a podcast. I would like to do another podcast because that would, that would uh, hopefully expand the audience. We might have started it before Sun and Moon was announced. So that probably helped too. Like, oh, there's really nothing to report on. I don't remember the times actually anymore. But as, as for like the, the rules and stuff, that, that was all Greg. And I think. I don't want to speak for Greg, but he was very dedicated to his own rule set and creating those rules and that universe and that story. And I have a lot of respect for that. There's there's just something about like creating something from scratch and then running with it as opposed to, you know, just finding some source material and adapting that. And there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. Don't take that as like a Oh, you're just using somebody. You're using somebody else's system, uh, not your own. But when Greg approached me with that, there was like passion there. Oh, it was... Greg can be a very passionate man. <laughs> he and I shared a room at the Dells. <laughs> and so, like, when I take on a new project and I don't have a lot of time, it's like, okay, the people on this project are as passionate as as I am. So I feel like this is worth my time. And I think it was. Like, obviously, people like Mythical. Scott writes in, says, Hello, Pokemon Podcast crew. And that means you to the B team. I'm writing in today to simply thank you for, the, for all that you do to produce such an amazing podcast that puts a smile on my face each and every week. You're great people with awesome personalities whom I enjoy listening to very much. I especially love how honest and open you all are, especially SBJ, Will, and Travis. You're incredible and appreciated. I also want you to know how much I love the Slack community, Professor Almedia. I can never say his name. And Marsh... Uh, Almeida. Almeida. And Marshmallow Loaf. There you go. Marshmallow Loaf have been especially friendly and definitely deserve a shout-out. But the community as a whole uh, is overwhelmingly engaged and great to talk to. For those who listen to the show and have been considering pledging on Patreon, I highly recommend it as it supports this amazing show and gives you access to an incredibly to an incredible and friendly community via Slack. With that said, I send my warmest regards to all of you from sunny South Florida. Scott, aka Scott Dog on Slack. 
Well, thank you, Scott. It was very nice. I think this email's a little bit old, but it's from Michael. Alola, SBJ and crew. Have you all been watching the Sun and Moon anime lately? If so, what are your thoughts on it? So far, I've been loving the animation and expressions of all the characters, all the characters have, and the slower slice of life pace the show goes. Thanks for the podcast. Keep up the great work. Yeah, I haven't seen... Actually, I, I've seen the first two episodes, but also... Uh, have recently decided to disconnect all cable television from my home, and and I haven't fully recovered from that yet. I, you know what I recently discovered also is that having cable television is like smoking because now that I don't have it, I keep reaching for it and it's not there anymore. You but get, you get that PlayStation smoking. View? Uh, I don't know if I want to spend the money. I just I you know the really like the only thing I was watching was Pokemon. Um, but I will say for anybody who is hasn't watched the new season yet the disney xd season keep in mind that they have shifted the focus i will very clearly say this they have shifted the focus of the program to a younger audience yes. so yeah, younger than actions, it was before yes yeah um so the actions and the way that ash now acts is is geared towards a i will say five to ten year old uh audience rather than a 10 to 15 year old audience so take take that with you when you watch it and and understand that's why he's so much goofier like and and it's it's just like it's become i think i think it fits his character more to that this the the changing the sort of the target audience a little bit and shifting it a little younger i think fits who Ash is better. And I'm stealing this from uh, Carly, who I was watching it with, but uh, she was saying, like, Ash is always, like, sort of a kind of yelly goofball in in every situation. So you on this podcast? In some of the, like... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Uh, And in some of the seasons where they tried to be a little edgier or... Uh, push the demographic a little higher the main character kind of felt like he didn't belong and that's not really the case here he feels goofy and he's in a really bright sunny silly world um i've been watching the subtitled uh, Japanese episodes. So I haven't seen like the the dub, but I'm almost caught up on the Japanese episodes. And I will say that uh, Beware is incredible in the anime. And I kind of like that Pokemon to start with, but now I definitely like Beware. <laughs> yeah, that that first interaction between Ash and Beware is hilarious. Yeah. Sam writes in from Santa Clara, California. I've been wanting to write in for a while. I'm so glad I stumbled across ISE last year. I look forward to every episode and wish I knew about ISE and podcast sooner or I wouldn't have dropped off during Black and White. And I keep trying to play Black and White too, but now it's been spoiled rotten by better graphics and with no nostalgia attachment, I find Black and, too, Black and White too hard to play. That well, was hard to play when it came out too. I know it's Will's favorite job. <laughs> Can he... Can he give me a pointer? Wanted to say that Pokemon Stars sounds so lame. 
Pokemon Eclipse would be such a better name for a third game in the series. I live in SoCal. That's what the, that's what the kids call it, SoCal. And West Coast doesn't get a lot of love. Have you guys ever thought about something like Anime Expo or Kamikaze? It, maybe it's Kamikaze. C-O-M-I. Yeah. Oh, I get uh, it. Stan Lee's Kamikaze? Yeah. Yeah, I get it. P.S. I like all of you equally, but Chikorita is the best starter, Sam. You're talking to... So two of the people on this podcast live in states that everyone calls flyover states. So when you say the West Coast doesn't get a lot of love, you're not going to get too much sympathy from Steve and I. <laughs> well, I mean, I believe Steve has been to California. Uh, yeah, and how many times have you been to New York? Once. There you go. Who's getting the love here? How many times have you been to D.C.? I've been to... I've. I've visited you in DC. Yeah, that you have, but you're an East Coaster. I mean, you're in the Eastern Time Zone, so East Coast, sure. <laughs> are you on a coast? Are you near a coast? I, I'm also yes, but not are the you East on... Coast you're talking about. I am on the are, East coast, on coast of Lake Michigan. Or in... er, nope, I'm you're... on the. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm on Lake Michigan's East Coast. You are on a coast, and you are in the Eastern time zone, you're an East Coaster. I think I am also the Western, uh, Muskegon, Michigan, where I live right now, might be one of, I think it might be, or no, there's probably some points in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan that are farther west that are in the Eastern time zone, but I am near the most west you can be and still be in the Eastern time zone. Like, I would absolutely go to a convention in California if that convention would, would like, have me, right? You gotta apply and get in. Or I think the hard part comes of what what to say at a convention, right? Because you're getting so many people that don't know you. You have to put on a show that's more generalized. Otherwise, otherwise you're not going to get an audience. So that's kind of hard. Uh, it's also kind of hard to do it solo, which was which was like why PAX East was so nice because because you you two were there, and so it was very like. When when we read those questions, it wasn't just one person reading a question and then just getting that one person's opinion. It was uh, m- multiple, and obviously you guys are, are very different when it comes to liking and disliking certain things compared to me. So I think that Yeah, works. like how black and white 2 is bad. Yeah, no, well, we agree there, definitely. Um, no, we don't. <laughs> we all agree. You heard it here first, all three of us, black and white 2, bad. But yeah, I don't. It's not like, bad, but it it is in the lower strata. Like it's, oh good god, <laughs> there aren't a lot of Pokemon games I like less than than Black and White Two. I, I resolve for 2017 not to argue about Pokemon Black and White Two anymore. So. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I guess you're overruled. I guess you, you're not even participating. So Black and White Two is just really bad. Anyways, to provide real content, I may be going to the Bushi Road Grand Festival in uh, Long Beach uh, in the 4th of July, around 4th of July weekend. So that may be your opportunity to hang out. I'll, I might do a, a meetup if I go there. Uh, Chikorita is, is not that great of a starter, but I'm glad it's your favorite. It's no Totodile, I'll tell you that. I like Chikorita, but Totodile is so great. Yeah, Chikorita's cute, just don't evolve it, you know? They're all fine. 
All, that whole line is just, is they're fine. They're cute and fine. Uh, we'll do one more email. Oh, this email's a little bit old, but uh, it's still relevant. Uh, Michael writes in, Hey guys, the, the, the only Michael from Florida writing in. It's good to know. I used to be from Indiana, and I feel like I have to include this now because Will mentioned how cute boys from Indiana are. Eh, if you're not in Indiana now, the <laughs> shine it. is off the apple. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, so it's the geography of the man that makes him attractive. Not necess- Like, I was assuming, when I was sort of, like, agreeing with you, it's like, oh, because they're, like, you know, uh, your typical, like, cornbread, Midwestern, like, there is a look there. That can be, but you just mean like you only find people attractive if they are physically within a certain geography. Yes, there's some magic to the state of Indiana that gives just a, an extra polish to the gentleman that you can find there. Before I get to my question, I wanted to weigh in on a right, sure. couple of things that others have wrote in about and that you have discussed. Licorice is gross in any form. Yes. Uh, I cannot pick my favorite out of all of you because, like a good Pokemon team, you all bring something important to the table. Oh, that was a good analogy. My love for each of you is kind of like real-life experience share. And finally, I gave Soylent a try when SBJ first talked about it, and I can verify that it is, in fact, made out of people. That's not true. Uh, I've been listening (laughs) to the show since I found the podcast right before the release of X and Y. I was a mailman at the time and had plenty of time to listen at work and then quickly went back and listened to everything available and haven't stopped since. I wanted to ask if any of you have bought the Pokemon Go Plus and used it yet. I know SBJ and Will have the Apple Watch, but I wasn't sure if anyone had experience with the Plus at all. I was going to purchase one, but so far the reviews made it seem... So far, the reviews I've seen made it look a little less than worth the retail price. And if I, wa- and if I wanted to waste $35 on something disappointed, I'd pay for dinner on a Tinder date. Uh, one last thing, just for fun. If any of you had to be transformed <laughs> into a Pokemon that's not a legendary, for the rest of time, which would you choose? Nothing to do with battling or game stuff. Mm. Just which Pokemon would you want to live out for the rest of your days? I would definitely pick a cute water Pokemon like Corsola or Starmie so I could just be cute and swim around underwater forever. No, way too many scary things underwater. I agree, I agree. Anyways, thank you so much for making the show and bringing this community to my life. The show has never let me down and always managed to make me laugh, brighten up my bad days, and has kept me informed and in the know and gives me something to be excited about every week. Thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for doing the show and being... As awesome as you all are, Michael. Thank you, Michael. That was a very I know who this Michael is. Nice email. I, there's only one Michael I know who was a male person um, from Indiana who no longer lives in Indiana. So, there you go. <laughs> no legendary. I'm right? trying to think of Dang. what Pokemon is the most humanoid so I can just still be a human. Uh, Hitmonchan. Uh, I'll just still be a person. It's it's so tough if you can't, yeah. I mean, because I'd want to be Victini, but hmm. Do you have a go, Steve? If I was to pick which Pokemon I would be, hmm, it would probably be. God, it had to have to be like a flying Pokemon, because then I can get around quickly. That oh, was going to be my is thing cool. too. Or somebody with levitate. 
Oh, that's a good one too. Like Alakazam. I was gonna, I was gonna say Hunch Crow because I mentioned it before that I really like Hunch Crow and it can fly, which would be a really fun thing to do. Rolling with the Hunch. Rolling with the Hunch. Mm, I would probably say Pidgeot. That's a safe bet. It's a strong bird Pokemon. Because if I was like a Talonflame, I'd have to worry about being in a tree and catching the tree on fire. Hmm. I'm having a really hard time with this. What's the big Beldum called? Bronzong? No. You talking about Bronzong? You talking about Bronzong? <laughs> Bronzong has nothing to do with Beldum. Beldum. <laughs> Metagross? Metagross. That I, I'll be a Metagross. There you go. They're real smart. They float around. They got psychic powers and their steel type. If I can't be a legendary, let me be a Metagross. Put that on my tombstone. <laughs> uh, going back to the Pokemon Go Plus, to answer that question, I have it. I've had it since day one, whenever it came out. Uh, no, it's not worth the $35. It somehow burned through 100 of my Pokeballs in 20 minutes and caught only four things. And it definitely worked at one point in time. But then it stopped working. The pro- Here's the problem with Pokemon Go Plus. It only works in a situation... Like, it works the best in a situation where you know you're not going to be looking at your phone and you're walking. So for, like, me, I'm never walking. Like, I walk two minutes to my car. <laughs> I, get, I get into my car. I drive to work, which is a half hour. And then I sit in my office for seven hours, and then I go home, and I don't leave my house. So in situations where I was walking, like, oh, I'm going to the mall, uh, and I'm going to do some shopping, I would have my phone out anyways, because the mall has Pokestops and Pokemon, and that is, an, like, yes, I'm walking, but that's also an opportunity for me po- to play Pokemon Go. So why would I turn on the the device when like a benefit of going to the mall is to play Pokemon Go, especially in like Wisconsin where it's freezing outside. So the only time I can really play Pokemon Go Go is at a place that's indoor and has Pokestops. And that's the same as going to like a park. Like I'm going to a park. I know I'm going to be doing a lot of walking, but I also know because it's a park, there's going to be a bunch of Pokestops and I'm going to spin those and I'm going to collect the Pokemon. Because the problem... Uh, not if the Milwaukee not, City Council has its way. Not if Milwaukee has anything to say about it. I have never seen the Pokemon Go Plus catch anything rare. Like, it's really good at getting Pidgeys and Rattatas and Zubats and Drowsies, uh, but I've never seen it catch, like, a Pidgeotto or a Kadabra or just, like... I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it needs to catch a Charizard. It doesn't. And maybe I'm wrong about that, but, like... I don't know. It just like it just seems like every situation where you would be like, okay, I'm gonna go for a walk and I'm going to turn on this Pokemon Go Plus. At the same time, like you're going for a walk, and especially if you're by yourself, you're probably gonna have your phone out anyways. If you're really into Pokemon Go, you're going to have your phone out to play Pokemon Go because you know you're walking in a situation where you can play Pokemon Go. Like the only way it would benefit you is if you're like really into hatching eggs and you're not interested in catching Pokemon and spinning stops. Like the like the the, the device will spin stops for you and will catch like basic Pokemon. If you, if you're in an area and you're like you can pretty like 
pretty quickly figure out how many stops are in an area just by loading the app up once, and you would have to do that anyways to start the to start the device. I don't think it's worth it, but I'll try to save you $35. Probably you'd be better <laughs> off just spending $35 on incubators. Like, yeah, I was right? going to say, if, yeah. You're... If it's just you want to be able to hatch Pokemon better, just buy a map. That, that might buy be a more lot incubators. to spend on incubators, but you know. Uh, well, I think an Michael, a Michael can spend $35 $80. to take me on a date. Okay. And that's, it won't be disappointing. Yeah, yeah, it's a better, better, better use of the $35. Or you can, buy some, you can buy some sick clothes in Pokemon Go that doesn't do anything except make you look stylish. It certainly doesn't cover your ankles. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely true. Oh, yeah. Oh, we've got our leg tubes. Well, that'll wrap it up for emails. If you want to send in any emails, uh, let me know. By sending in those emails, sbj at pkmncast.com uh, or pokemonpodcast.com slash contact. Travis, why don't you give us our Pokemon of the Week? Oh, I am really excited for this because our Pokemon of the Week is Drifblim. I'm excited for this for more than one reason. First, Drifblim is just really cool. I've always liked the Pokemon. It was on the terrible, awful, unequivocally, objectively terrible featured team that I submitted when, way back before I was on the show when I was just a rabid fan. I included Driftblim because I love Driftblim. Very good, very cool, very awesome. Second, the, what is happening with Driftblim right now is one of the things that makes competitive Pokemon interesting to me, which is... When out of nowhere, kind of, people realize, oh, wait, this Pokemon that no one is using actually might be good. And to give you an example, uh, according to Smogon's Smogon's usage statistics, in January, Driftblim was on... 0.04% of teams. So not a lot of usage. As of February 2017, Driftblim is on 4.04% of teams. So that's an increase of over 1,000%. And you might be thinking, what happened? Why the big change? A new item in well, a new set of items, rather, in Pokemon Sun and Moon are the terrain seeds. So there's, like, Electric Seed, Misty Seed, Psychic Seed, Grassy Seed. I think that's Hey, all we talked about this last week. Yeah, so you send in a Pokemon, and, uh, well, I guess anytime the terrain changes to Electric, Misty, Grassy, Psychic, uh, depending on which of the seeds you're using, Terrain then that seed will be consumed and it will increase one of the stats of it'll uh, in the case of like misty turn i think they might all increase their defense actually the defense of that pokemon by one stage all of these items electric seed grassy seed etc increase the defense of the holder and then they're consumed when the respective terrain is activated and you might be hearing that and thinking what on earth does this have to do with Drifblim? well one of Driftblim's abilities is the ability Unburden, which is an ability where its speed is doubled 
once if it at one point had a held item, but then that held item was either consumed or taken away from it. It's not there anymore. So it can't be like you just don't send it in with an item. It, this ability only activates if it had an item and it was either taken away or consumed. Its speed will be doubled. So not only does Driftbloom come in with a boost to its defense, it also has twice the speed it would normally have. It has access to some pretty powerful support moves, stuff like Tailwind, Will-O-Wisp, uh, and then it, you can do cheesy stuff with like acrobatics because you don't have an item anymore, so acrobatics power is increased a lot, and it just ends up being pretty good, and people it took a while for people to realize that, I think mostly just because these items are new, and you know, it takes a while for people to realize uh, really how to utilize a, a new item. So, with all that in mind, let's go to our Slack channel and see what sets people came up with. Um, looks like we've got three. Uh, the first one from Gabe Brown is uh, close to the set I was just describing earlier. This is either Psychic Seed or Misty Seed, depending on if you are going to be pairing this with Tapu Lele for Psychic Terrain or Tapu Fini for Misty Terrain. The ability is going to be Unburdened. The EVs are going to be 252 in HP, 252 in Special Defense, and 8 in Defense with a Sassy Nature. Your moves are going to be Acrobatics, Tailwind, Shadow Ball, and then either Protect or Disable. I like Protect just because Protect is very good in doubles. Uh, and... I think I basically already described this. Tailwind is just incredible at increasing the speed of your team and just being generally supportive. Acrobatics is going to deal uh, a lot of damage because you don't have an item because you've already consumed your Psychic or Misty Seed. Uh, even though you're defensively invested, you can still deal some damage. Shadow Ball is just there because it's a ghost, same type attack. Bonus, move, uh, and then Protect and Disable are other just generally good moves the other two sets are fairly similar and they're actually the oh sorry i guess there's only one oh so we do have a variant that's uh very similar from uh kevin soria uh frequent uh, all the actually all these folks today are pretty frequent pokemon of the week contributors so that's the same thing but it's drift bloom with citrus berry can be good too it is more difficult to guarantee you're going to lose your item than it is with one of the seeds so it's not it doesn't get as much usage but it's still um it's still fun um and then basically the same set shadow ball tailwind disable and will-o-wisp swapping out the acrobatics for will-o-wisp there uh, and then the third set is coming from casey ross and this is the one that's different this is this uses the ability flare boost which is an ability I think it's the hidden ability of Driftblim, which increases the special attack of a Pokemon when it's burned. Um, and so Flame Orb is the item here to make it burned. And then the EVs are 8 in HP, 248 in special attack, and 252 in speed with a modest nature. Uh, you'll notice this is a distinctly offensive Driftblim. Thunder Wave, Hax, Thunderbolt, uh, and Tailwind, just because even though you're, this one is more offensive, Tailwind is still just very good. Um, so those are the three sets. I love it when a Pokemon comes out of nowhere to be on people's teams that it wouldn't have otherwise. 
this Driftblim example is just the perfect example of that because it took people kind of this long to figure out, oh yeah, unburden is a thing. <laughs> All done? Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> he, he was just caught up in that Driftblim wis- wistfulness. Yeah, I was being taken away by Driftblim, which isn't a very good thing to have happen to you if you read the Pokedex. Well, that's Driftloon more specifically, but you know. Shiny Driftblim is yellow with blue highlights instead of being purple with yellow highlights. Uh, one, of the, one of the better shinies. Really, really cool. Some trivia here. Driftloom has the highest HP base stat of all flying types and is tied with Garatina for the highest HP base stat of, base stat of all ghost-type Pokemon. Driftloom and Driftloom are the only Pokemon not introduced in the Hoenn region to be found in the Fluctuating Experience group. I don't know what that is. Fluctuating, the fluctuating egg group? group doesn't say egg. egg? Fluctu- fluctuating oh, experience. Oh, I, group. I think I know what this. There's I no think like, I know what this is. It's not um, a link I can click on. I think I know what this is. Uh, so different Pokemon have. Oh boy. Um, uh, or, or am I thinking of something else? It might be the rate at which. All right. As you look it up, I'll do some house cleaning real quick. We will be doing a Reddit, this comes out on Monday, so this might be uh, cutting it close, but if you've made it through this episode, and it's still sometime on Monday, we'll be, all three of us will be doing a Reddit AMA on our subreddit, r slash super effective. If, even if you miss it, I'm sure you can jump over there and see what other people have asked and uh, see the answers to that. Uh, we'll probably open it up at like 10 slash 11 a.m. for people to start asking questions, and then uh, we'll be we'll be answering them. We'll be we'll start answering them around 12 p.m. Central Time. You can join us there, Reddit Reddit dot com slash r slash super effective, and uh, yeah, that should be fun. Hopefully, we get some questions. Uh, if not, you know, whatever. Please, if you haven't done so already, leave us a review in iTunes. We haven't had any reviews. Recently, it's all died down ever since we hit 700. But if you take four seconds out of your day, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, if you've already left a review, I'm going to give you a little bit of homework. Some homework in this house cleaning segment. Uh, tell a friend about us. Say, hey, you like Pokemon? Here's a podcast. These guys don't talk about Pokemon, uh, but you should give it a listen. Uh, so that'll be, your, that'll be your guys' homework. Tell one friend about it. It's super effective. Uh, that would be awesome. Can I give you the experience group answer? Yeah. Let's hear it. Pokemon are assigned essentially a value that determines what amount of experience they need at each level to level up. And obviously that number goes up as they tend towards getting uh, leveling up to level 100, right? It takes more experience to go from level 99 to 100 than it does to go from level 1 to 2. And it's not the same increase. It's not the same rate of increase for every species of Pokemon. In fact, there are six experience groups. Um, for, uh, they're erratic, fast, medium fast, medium slow, slow, and fluctuating. Uh, and that's in order of go- easiest to most difficult to get to level 100, essentially. Well, the, the number of experience of points level. that have to be accumulated total. The fluctuating has the most yes, experience yep, points yep. that need to be accumulated total. Got it. Yeah, that's a better way of saying it. Awesome. Finally, you can follow us all on Twitter if you care to do so. Uh, Travis is at the Travis W. Will is at Wash in the Sink. I am at Dragging a Lake. 
And if you want to stay completely up to date with the podcast, the best way to do so is on Twitter at Pokemon Podcast. Otherwise, uh, hopefully you guys enjoy that new season of Mythical. Please let us know what you think. Don't don't be shy to tweet at us about recent episodes or, or just your thoughts overall on, on the products we produce. I think that's it. This has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast, and we are super, super effective. Hot dogs. we mentioned hot dogs at all when, when did we we said it in the skype beforehand uh keep that dog clean in 2017 just wanted to give a big shout out to wally you can check him out uh, over at drunk and if you want to be part of the shout outs at the end of the episode you can jump over to patreon.com slash it's super effective and sign up for the producer tier but again, a shout out to Wally. You can check out his stuff over at drunkontacos.com 